This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. So everybody wants to know how we went from raising $250,000. So on my first project, I raised $250,000. It took me weeks to do it and tons of work, man. You know, but I was thankful. I was so thankful. No friends and family invested. You know, nobody in our family is or, or wealthy. It didn't come from money of any kind whatsoever. I had the best job probably anyone in my family had had ever had, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But then, you know, being able to consistently raise tens of millions, you know, in a few hours now. I think Andy was talking earlier about, you know, want to be able to do it quicker or faster, right? Uh, and there's some, there's some ways to do that. It takes time. It does not happen overnight. I want to tell you some critical things about my mission, my mindset, our why, uh, and, you know, and my how, you know, how we got to where we're at. And, and I want, this is probably one of the most important things, too, uh, is teach you how to not be transaction-focused, but loyalty-focused. Very important if you want to raise a lot of money. So the secret to scaling fast, you have to show up to give. Seems simple, right? Seems simple, but it's something I have to work on constantly. Something I have to work on in every conversation. I have to show up to give. I have to think about, you know, when I'm interacting with someone for the first time, I want to be there to serve them. I want to be there to serve them. And that is going to change the way you do business. It's going to change the way you think about other people. Um, and we'll talk about that some more as well. But it is, it's another mindset shift. It's not always win-win. Forget about win-win, like just show up to give. Over the past couple of years, 150 million in assets. Uh, Ellis uh, talked about some of this. We do have a, approximately 85 million on contract. We have three development projects as well going on that's not in that. And, um, Interviewed over a thousand people, you know, many, quite a few in this room as well. And my network ha have has exploded, and uh, you know, I've been able to talk in front of many, many stages now, many, many people, hundreds and and even thousands at times. You know, people I never imagined being able to speak in front of as many people as I have. A few years ago, uh, you know, actually, probably four years ago, if you'd ask me, uh, uh, even probably what a podcast was, I would have may not have been able to tell you what a podcast was. So it's interesting to see how things happen. And I remember probably two years before that, I was, we, my, or Chelsea and I were at a couples retreat and I went forward to, and I was praying with my pastor and I can't even remember where this came from, but he, he was praying and he prayed that the Lord would use me to speak. And, and he compared me like to Moses, uh, not, not wanting to speak, you know? And, and, and I, I thought, where did that come from, you know? Uh, and it's, it's so interesting how the Lord does those things, you know, and I get to look back and, and just praise the Lord. Try to figure out what I was going to do as a career. Policing seemed like an easy transition. I love the uniform, love the service, and the discipline. So... Out of 1,200 applicants, there were five positions with Kentucky State Police. I was blessed to have one of those. Loved working the road. I, uh, I mean, I would, I would work for, I would have worked for free the first two years. I loved it, and and so you know, I'd work every Friday and Saturday night because that's when I could get into the most stuff, you know. And <laughs> I, I mean, really, that was before I was married as well, uh, you know. And, and then finally. Finally, we get married, and, and she knew if I came home, you know, if I didn't get home till like six or eight in the morning, then she knew something happened. You know, she'd be like, what happened? You know, but anyway, we'll get into a little more of that. But being a police officer was great. 
but again, making 25, 30 grand a year, there was just no room for advancement. There was nowhere to go. Also, guys retiring, making 40 grand a year, you know, 30 years of service on, finally, uh, the writing was on the wall. You know, like, okay, you know, where am I going to go here? What is this going to do for our family? I had no college. I almost felt a little helpless at this time. Okay, this was the same time that we had moved as a couple, and we we had moved and to get closer to family. And we were part of a church where we met another couple. The Lord just used to to save us, speak through, uh, and it's amazing test, their testimony and then how they used how He used them to speak to us as well. But during that time, it was obvious. We just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage. You know, I just said, you know what? As much as I enjoy this, it's just not what's best. It's just not what is best for our family. So I had to make a change. And so we did. We made a big change. I uh, During this time too, and you'll see a little more about it in a minute, is when I actually got into real estate. Being a uh, in, in law enforcement, that's what pushed me to supplement our income, right? I was looking, looking, trying to figure out what, are we, what can we do to supplement our income. I learned that, you know, not only had one or two people built wealth in real estate, but like hundreds of thousands of people have built wealth in real estate. And so I thought, okay, if, if that many people can do it, then, then I can probably do it too. Something, right? I may not be Donald Trump, but, but I, you know, I can probably do something to supplement our income. We wanted my wife to be able to stay at home when we had children. It was going to be very difficult on 30 grand a year, right? So, so we pushed, we, we, we bought two triplexes and man, we learned a lot the hard way, made a ton of mistakes, but we got started. I, at the same time, I became a federal agent. Uh, again, very difficult process, uh, getting hired as a federal agent, and, and, uh, but it was a big step up for me, right? I, you know, I, I doubled my income immediately, a better benefits, better everything. I mean, working the normal schedule now, I can actually sleep uh, you know, in the same bed as my wife at, at the same time, you know, and, and all those perks, right? Uh, and, and we'll talk about that a little more in a minute. But just remember, that was, that was probably the, one of the best J-O-Bs, you know, anybody in my family had had. Uh, and so you can imagine when I start to talk about real estate and doing something completely different, you know, that's kind of a, a shocker, right? This is probably more of a shock to some of you. <laughs> Who is that? Yeah, that's me. That is me. That's me. <laughs> The seventeen-year-old look. Yeah. More like so, so since I was a little boy, I wanted to train horses. Loved riding horses. I was, it was just a passion of mine since I was I was very young. So we moved to Virginia, and believe it or not, we we bought a farm. And I, I was training again, and, and we still had some rentals. I had up to, I had a fifteen-unit building at this time that I partnered with a, with another guy on. I started training horses and I was, I mean, I loved it. I was doing clinics all over the country. I was doing lots of lessons. I was selling horses for more money than I ever imagined. I mean, I never dreamed. I'd be, I mean, so every horse I sold, I stood in the saddle and popped uh, stock whips in both hands. Um, and so other, you'll see another one in a minute, but uh, that, I mean, just lots of tricks, lots of things. I never imagined being able to do those things, but this took an extreme amount of time extreme amount of time to get to this level um, and, and to be able to do these things. Um, so this horse right here, his name's Shamrock. He's pretty special. He's probably my best ever. But uh, So I, I did lots of tricks with him at Liberty, meaning nothing on him. I can ask him. Um, so many horses I'd teach to lay down. I'd stand on them while they're laying down and pop whips and throw tarps over them, all kinds of stuff. So just to give you an idea, it took lots of time, right? Lots of time. 
So I was also working full time. I was training at night till midnight most nights, uh, you know, just sacrifice the family time to make all that happen. Um, and, and, I, and I bring this up because you may also have a passion that's somewhat holding you back. You know, it's like, could I have made a lot of money training horses? Yes, I was making better money than I thought I probably could have, you know, even while I was only doing it, you know, after hours, after my federal agent position. However, it was never going to be passive. It was never going to build wealth. And I mean, everybody wanted me to train their horse, wanted me to give them lessons, right? And so, so one, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll go ahead. Uh, one fall, Chelsea and I were walking on the beach. We were just praying and we were just really reflecting, right? On where we're at, where are we going? Do we see ourselves like doing what we're doing now three years from now? And it was just obvious then. I mean, I, we just, we almost can't explain it how we both just had peace about this. Because um, I'd obviously invested a ton of time in, into this, okay? And, and it was becoming pretty well known at that. And so as this was like beginning of September. And by the end of September, we had listed our farm for sale. We decided, you know what? If we're going to be committed to commercial real estate, we're going to be all in. So we sold our farm. Between Christmas and New Year's, we were moving out of our farm. I mean, like the house we'd always dreamed of, the farm. And that was very difficult. You think, you know, and that's why I say to this passion, it may not be horse training for you, but you know, this thing that I just, I wanted to do since I was very young and I was, I was like doing it, you know, I was finally like achieving that, but I could see that, you know what, this is, this is really going to hold us back, our family. If we, you know, I'm not going to be able to pursue real estate, you know, by, and doing this at the same time. So we sold the farm and we sold everything to related to the horse training business, um, so here's those two triplexes. I'll get into a little more of that story. But here's those two triplexes. Uh, yeah, you know, again, tired of chasing tenants and toilets. And, and uh, it wasn't a scalable business model. You know, it just wasn't very scalable. Uh, and I say, I say there's, I still have so much brain damage from these two buildings. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I say the, those words, the apartments, and Chelsea still cringes, you know, like, oh, <laughs> you know, that was such a difficult time. Because I was self-managing, did not have a clue what I was doing, uh, did, just did very poor due diligence, a number of things. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing was the time I missed mentally with my new bride. You know, we'd been married less than two years and, man, my mind was just always thinking about the tenant that was fixing to move out. You know, or trying to get that, that, that unit turned over or the AC unit that was failing and, you know, I should have known about that before we bought them. And, you know, all those things, right? But, um, but... During that time, when we sold the farm, we also, as also when I went to my first real estate conference, okay, a large conference. And again, I started meeting guys and gals who were buying 100 unit complexes and they'd only been in the business a year or two. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, I, I mean, I, I really thought that, you know, to be able to buy a 100 unit building that you had, you had to have been doing this 30 years or more, right? I mean, who, who does that, right? I don't, I don't know who those guys are. Maybe one day I could do that, but I never expected it. So, but I went to, I went to this, this conference and my eyes were opened again to all these people that were doing it. And again, I thought, okay, hey, if they can do this, I can probably do something bigger than what I'm doing now, right? So we did. My eyes were opened. We sold the farm. And an uh, important part here is I hired a mentor. Hired a mentor. I knew that I wanted somebody that had been there and done that. I did a big process on finding what I felt like was the right mentor, a few Key things, I wanted somebody that was in the business now. I wanted somebody that I could speak to personally, not a team of coaches under them. And somebody I just felt like that genuinely cared about my success. 
you know, did a lot of due diligence on bigger pockets in different places. Ask questions. People will share with you their experience, you know. Um, and so I just encourage you. I have many mentors now. That was really a, a mindset shift, uh, you know, to when I hired that mentor, it was twelve and a half thousand dollars. And we were fixing to start another adoption process. We knew that was fixing to cost us another probably 50 grand. And that was a lot of money to us. And we, you know, and Chelsea and I both were like, should we really do this? Should we hire a mentor? You know, so glad I did, right? I mean, it's just a no brainer now. But at the time, that was a massive amount of money to us. Obviously, we started a podcast. Um, You know, many of you or a few of you in here have been interviewed over a thousand days straight now. And I encourage you, if you want to hear more about the story, like with Chelsea and I, show 1000, 1001, and then it was a Saturday, Sunday, the next Saturday, Sunday, uh, it was just a series of us just talking about that whole process and in much more detail and really her her talking more. Uh, So, oh yeah, building teams, hiring people, scaling. We're going to talk about this again in a minute, but doing a daily podcast pushed me to do things that I would have never done before, Okay. I've I've personally never edited the first piece of audio, the first piece of video. I've never made a piece of artwork. I've never posted a show on our website, on the internet, anywhere, okay? Because I knew doing a daily show, there's no way that I could keep up. It was not possible. If I'd done a weekly show, just the way that I would have thought, I would have said, you know what? I'm going to save some money. I'll, I'll do this myself. I'll learn how to edit some audio, video. I'll do it. I'll be able to do it. I would have gotten frustrated and most likely quit, honestly. Uh, and, and it wouldn't have even seemed as bad either. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that start weekly shows and quit. Right? That happens often. But not too many people start daily shows and quit. Well, they might. I don't know too many people that even try it. But, and I wouldn't even recommend it to most. So, um, but what's behind that growth is our why, our mission. Ellis mentioned David Platt. When Chelsea and I moved to Roanoke for that federal agent position, we, we were listening. To, we, we had just... We were really new believers at that time, and we were just growing in our walk, growing in our faith, and, and we were exposed to David Platt and a thing he does called Secret Church. If you, if you don't know about it, I encourage you to look it up, but uh, we had just moved there. The next weekend was Secret Church, and we went. He was talking about caring for orphans and widows, and I mean, we grew up in a one-stoplight town. I mean, I didn't know anybody that was ever adopted. I didn't, I mean, I was never exposed to that, really. Uh, that I can remember, Chelsea or I. But David was talking about how they had adopted, how there were over 150 million orphans in the world, how it can cost 40 to 60 grand to bring a child home through adoption. And I mean, I mean, we didn't have a clue about any of that stuff. But on our way home, all we could ask ourselves were, why would we not adopt? Why would we not adopt? It just seemed like the right thing to do. I mean, it seemed that simple to us. And I'm so thankful now that we're really ignorant to the process. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, it, we've done it four, four times now with one failed placement. But, but anyway, it, it's, uh, it is quite the roller coaster, but worth every, every second. So we didn't know. I mean, I had no idea. But we thought, why would we not adopt? So within a week, we turned in our application to adopt from Ethiopia. Two years later, our first son, Samuel, comes home from Ethiopia. A year later, Elijah comes home through adoption. He was born in the States. And our, our daughter, Eden Joy, now uh, also came to our family through adoption. She's two now. So this mission has, has changed everything about us. Or, you know, this, this, uh, this thing the Lord did in, in Chelsea and I at this time, we had no idea what it would be now. Uh, and, you know, and even through our foundation and whatnot now. But, but it changed everything about our business. Okay, and it's changed everything about, uh, I mean, even the growth of our business. I didn't see that coming. The Lord had a different plan. 
the Lord had a very different plan in how he was going to use all this. But the importance of your why, uh, I mean, it, it is everything for us now. And, it, and, it, and it's becoming everything for many other people now as well. A couple of things that helped us to take off really as a business. One is I had to change. I had to change. I mean, the things that I did every day had to change. I had to be very strategic about who I was and how I used every minute of my day. Okay, I had to get really good at, at having more self-control than maybe I'd ever had in the past. I mean, the military helps with that a lot. Law enforcement helps with that a lot. However, you know, now I had, I had two, two children and when all this started, had two boys and I had to find time to start educating myself. I had to find time to start making things happen outside of what we were already doing, right? Uh, and so everything I did on a daily basis had to change, just the way that I thought. So first, I had to overcommit. I didn't know it was overcommitting at the time, but I just want you to think about it. Uh, and again, I, I, I wouldn't even recommend a daily podcast to most people, but, but I want you to think about that by overcommitting like that, what it did in me and how it pushed me. I never imagined I would be speaking in front of groups like you or in front of hundreds of, you know, of people at a time. Never imagined that happening. Uh, but the Lord had a different plan. So I, I did. I had to learn how to involve my family, my team. I had to learn to delegate. Uh, clarity on my mission or why. We're going to get into some more of that. Uh, but you know what? I also had to learn that my family was also on the mission and my team was also on the mission as well. Your team and your investors, your family, like they, they all want more than just financial gain, whether, whether they admit it or not, right? They, they really want more than just financial gain. Uh, many won't say that maybe, but uh, because everybody's talking about their real estate business and how amazing it is and their, their jets or their helicopters or, or whatever, right? Uh, and, and not that that's always bad, but you know what? It's hard to stand out in that, right? And, but if you'll be different, Choose a different path. You'll stand out. So overcommitted, overcommitted. Uh, this pushed me in ways I never knew before, scaling teams. I had to hire people right away, like I talked about. So immediately I hired four virtual assistants from all over the world. They all did different things for the podcast. Uh, I immediately had to get pretty good. I mean, we're a lot better now, but I had to get pretty good then at creating processes for that team to know exactly what I needed done, right? Uh, I hired another virtual assistant in the States that helped me to manage all those people because I was still working full time. And... I mean, it was very difficult, right? It's very difficult to manage those people. Eventually it got easier, it got easier, but I had to get started, right? I had to get started. I had to get started. Kind of like this ClickFunnels thing. You know what? If you do the ClickFunnels one, if that's what you're more comfortable with now, but at least you get started, it's still a success. Even if you have to change it six months from now, that stinks, you know? But you still got started. You didn't delay two more months thinking about it, right? You didn't wait six more months or a year, you know, trying to postpone that change then, right? You know, at least you got started. Uh, it's, it's so important. That's the only way you're going to improve then, right? It's after you get started, uh, especially your processes. Uh, what others thought? I mentioned about my family. We received quite a bit of pushback. You know, Whitney, what, I mean, you, what are you doing? You know, you've been with the federal government now this many years. Um, I mean, why would you leave that? Why would you leave that? And, and, you, and you have to think about where they're, you know, where they're at and why they think that, again, better J-O-B than that many of them have ever had. Um, so you have to be ready for that. It doesn't mean you're wrong. And they're going to come to you out of love. 
too, right? Even people that were at, uh, I, remember, I never forget this guy in this real estate meetup that I was in for a couple years and uh, everybody in there is more single family and flipping and single family rentals, that type of mindset. And not that that's bad, but when I come in there and said, you know what, I've got a 15 unit, but now I'd, I really want to do a hundred plus unit. You know, they're like, <laughs> you know, everybody in there's, wait a minute, you know, you've, You've lost your, your marbles a little bit, you know? Something's going on. One guy came to me and he said, Whitney, that's just, that's just not the way most people do it. <laughs> you know, and so I just encourage you. I just want you to know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to receive pushback. And, and, and again, like, that, he came to me because he cared about me. You know, he truly did care about me. And, and that's great. And I want to share with him, you know, my path. And he sees that now, you know? Um, but, but you have to be willing to push through some of that. So the process, what it tells others about you, and a couple of things that, that you don't even think about when you create, say in my case, thought leadership platform, like a podcast, people see, when they see you're doing a daily show, I mean, I hear this so often, like, man, if he can organize that, he can probably organize a lot of other things. Or if he can manage to get that done, you know, whatever. You know, it just, it has this, uh, it doesn't have to be a daily podcast, by the way, I'm not saying that. But your systems, your processes, the way you represent yourself in every way matters, okay? Just the way the guests even come on the show. I hear it so often, so often. They say, Whitney, like, this has been the best process for being interviewed on a show. I feel much more prepared for your interview than I do anybody else's, okay? And that is all because I overcommitted. I didn't just like dream up those things. It's like, no, it has to be that good because if I'm doing 15 interviews today, I can't spend 10 minutes fixing somebody's mic. Can't. I just can't do it. You know, at that point, then I'm behind, right? And I've got to tell them, I'm sorry, we're going to have to reschedule, but now I missed an interview, right? So I had to bring it to that, that caliber. You know, just even that process says something about you, right? And so, and that's going to, sh- that's going to rub off on your team. They're going to, you're going to raise them to that level as well. So what I encourage you to think about what is your mission? Do you know? Does your spouse know? Does your team know? And do your investors know? We're going to get into this a little bit more. But I just want you to be thinking about that. What is your mission? Can you articulate it? What's a cause you're passionate about? I just want you to like be thinking through this a little bit. I'm not going to ask you, but uh, you know, working for something other than financial gain, which we talked about, and just why are you in the business? You know, is it so you can own a jet or a yacht? Not that those are all bad, but I'm just saying, why are you? Do you know? You know, sharing your mission. Put your mission into words. Ingrain it into everything you do. I've not always done a great job at this. And, and again, it, it was, it, I thought it was by accident. Like I said, the Lord had a, had a different plan. So I, would start, I started going to conferences. I went to that first conference and, and you know, again, my eyes were opened to all those things. But then all of a sudden, I started going to as many conferences as I possibly could. That first conference, I was the first one there. I actually, this is just a God thing, but I was the first one in the door. I actually snuck in. One of the team members let me in early. No joke. Okay, I mean, I was there that early because I wanted to be very front, very center. I was ready to go, right? Uh, And I noticed the host. This was his first event, and there was probably going to be 400 people there. Very nervous. Pacing, right? What do you think happened? 
Huh? I got to pray with him. Yep, and he and I just still remember that to this day. He's interviewed me numerous times, and he almost just cries thinking about it. It's just, it's just neat how the Lord will use you. You know, I, no joke. I, I shouldn't have even been in there at that time, uh, but I was. I was there. I could tell he was so nervous. I just said, hey, you know, can I pray with you? You know, it's just be willing to put yourself out there a little bit, right? Um, but put your mission into words. I started going to conferences. After that conference, I mean, I just started hitting the conference circuit as hard as I could go. I was networking as hard as I could go, but trying to make great connections, right? Not just the shotgun approach, right? Throwing business cards out because that just doesn't work. But what I did do different is I share my mission, okay? And that wasn't, like I said, I didn't plan it that way. I hadn't read Simon Sinek's, you know, why, whatever book, you know, yet. Uh, all that where he talks about, you know, a mission first or well, how does he word it? Know your why. Know your why. Uh, start with why. I hadn't read that at that time, but it's what I was doing. It's what I was doing. So, you know, at a conference even like this, people say, oh, what do you do? Right? What do you do? What do you say? What do you say? Oh, well, I have a real estate business and, and investors, you know, invest in our deals and we do some deals in the West and whatever, make great returns. Well, if everybody in there is saying something like that, how many, how many people remember you, right? You know, but I would say, well, my, you know, my wife and I are starting a foundation where we help families adopt children, you know, save children. Our investors are actually, we do that through commercial real estate and our investors get to play a role in that, but it doesn't affect their returns at all. So they, get, they still get the amazing benefits of real estate by helping us save these children. And then just silence. So what do you think happens then in their mind? I mean, they've just been talking to 200 people and they haven't heard anything like that, right? Again, I didn't plan it that way, but the Lord had a different plan. And I started to see it happening. And so then the conversation is much different. It's much different. Now the conversation, wait a minute, what? I mean, it's like way out there, right? From what they've been hearing. Tell me about the, what is that again? Tell me about the children. You know, and then all of a sudden we're talking about adoption. We're talking about caring for orphans and widows. We're talking a little bit about this story. We're talking about my kids. And then, well, you know, we're talking about their kids and their grandkids or whatever, right? And so it's a very different conversation than they've had with anybody else. So when I follow up the next day or a week later, guess what? They remember, right? It wasn't just that same real estate conversation. So I encourage you, you know, and, and I'll, it'll come up again in a minute, but I want to go ahead and say it. Like, if you only have one minute with someone, what are they going to remember about you? You have five minutes with someone. I hope they remember a lot of good things about you, and I hope you're even adding value to them if you have five minutes, right? Know, like, and trust. We've all heard this, right? I'm not going to go through know, like, and trust, but I say there's something that's missing. Loyalty. You need loyalty. Loyalty is missing. When you have loyalty, man, it's a very different relationship with your customers or your investors in our case. It's a very different relationship. So when you have loyalty, they, they want to see you succeed. How many have iPhones? Or Apple? Yeah, yeah. How many other Apple devices do you have? <laughs> I mean, you see an apple, I mean, it's just like, man, that's got to be the best thing, right? You just assume it's the best product. Not Maybe not everybody, but most, right? A new product comes out, they have to have it because they have that brand loyalty. And that's what, that's what you need. Harley Davidson. People tattoo Harley Davidson on their arm, on their back. Man, that's a loyal customer right there, 
they're probably going to have a Harley their whole life, right? And they're also, they're also telling everybody else about how much they love Harley Davidson, right? And there's many other aspects to that, but, but that's what you want to create. You want to create that, that loyalty. And when, you, when, you, when you're sharing your mission, there's a different connection that's made. You have to show up to give. You have to lead with your mission. Forget about win-win. I talked about mission first, the conversation, the connection. I was just talking about this, and I want to hammer a little more. Remember, when you connect with that individual, when you're sharing your mission, it is different. It is a different connection. It gives you the opportunity to share something you're passionate about. And then that, that person feels that passion, right? They feel that, they see a different side of you than just business, right? Than just podcasts or whatever, you know, or just these big apartment buildings, they see a different side of you. And that's a connection that's not going to be made just talking about how much money you can make on an apartment building, typically. We talked about it um, again. Not an easy process. The old schedule, the new, you know, we'll mention that, you know, when we were, uh, when we were, getting started, I would, I would do 12 to 15 shows on a Monday. I, um, from my federal agent position, I had two days off a month, every other Monday. Those days, my team knew that I had to have those, I mean, they had to be full. I had to be full, if at all possible. I would still do three to five interviews in the afternoon. A lot of days, I'd get home and do interviews or investor calls or emails. I would even take investor calls from 5 to 7 a.m. in the morning. Believe it or not, there are people that would schedule calls with you that early. They will, and they will be impressed that you're available at that time. I'm not available at that time now, but at that time I was, right? I, I would take every call I could possibly get, every call I could get. Um, the mindset, or, and now, though, the new, right? I mean, now I can make that schedule. Uh, what we were talking earlier, you know, about that shift, that change, and that's difficult. I mean, we're used to working so many hours, and it's hard to pull back from that now. It's so important. Right, so important, uh, but it is difficult. And, and my wife, uh, who's amazing, again, by the way, I may say that a few more times. Uh, you know, uh, during that process, she did everything. She did everything. I mean, three kids, third adoption process. I was traveling a lot, and she did everything. So I would be recording those interviews, and we called it my marathon day. I would be sitting, I would be, I built, we bought this little house in town, not in the best part of town, uh, but I put two walls up in the corner of the basement and that was my office. And that's where all this began. And I had a standing desk and I would stand there for 12 to 15 hours a day, nonstop doing those interviews. And I would also be interviewed on other people's shows, also take phone calls, whatever it took, you know, and we would call it my marathon day. She would literally pack me lunch for me to take to the basement. Seriously, uh, you know, in a minute or two between shows, I would try to scarf something down. Um, and so it was that intense for two and a half years or so. You know, my, my boys knew, unfortunately, that they didn't get to see me till almost most Sundays. That's if I wasn't traveling. Um, sometimes Saturday nights. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but it did take that level of commitment to move as fast as we did. And, but also, one thing I, I didn't share is, is the vision that you paint for your family. And people don't, you know, you don't hear it talked about often as far as your, your family being team members. I call them my hidden team members because people don't talk about it very often. And my wife, I mean, could not have done this without her support. And if we, you know, it's interesting, this, this room of, of believers as well. If, if, if we had not both known the Lord, like I just, I have no doubt we would not 
we would, I would not be standing here right now. You know, we, hopefully we would still be married, but you know, it, it probably would not have happened. It would not have happened. I mean, I can only explain it because the Lord sustained us through that time. That is the only way. But painting that vision for your family is so important, where you're going. It's not going to last forever. I have certain weeks now, like a week at a time where it's just like, maybe I have to work 60 hours or something. And they're like, you're, you're just, you're, you're gone too long, you know? And, and I think it's almost like shell-shocked, uh, you know, a few years ago. Uh, and so, you know, now I can schedule my time. Now I can, you know, uh, be a lot more flexible with family and schedule times off. But I had to be willing to just keep driving forward. The mindset behind that, crucial, right? Just the never give up mentality. But I had to make sure my wife was ready for that, right? I didn't know the level of commitment it was going to take. I did not know what it was going to take from, from all of us. But again, painting that vision. So, you know, we, we gave up that farm. And that was something, that was a vision I could paint for my boys too. Like, you know, this is our vision for the foundation. And you know what? We're going to have a farm again soon, right? I don't know when. I didn't know how long it was going to take, right? But we're not going to give up. That's where we're headed though. That's where we're headed. And we are back out on a farm now. Um, Let me go back though. There's something Ellis forgot to remind me of. This horse. He was my best horse. He was the last one I sold. His name's Shamrock. And he was one I could, I could ride at Liberty, you know, do all kinds of stuff with nothing on him, no halter, bridle, anything, do tricks. And he could sit up like a dog and all kinds of stuff. Um, and so with this horse, you know, the way the Lord, the Lord is so gracious uh, about... Uh, so an attorney, actually, it's funny that this horse is on here too. Uh, an attorney bought this horse from me. It was his favorite horse ever. I mean, he just loved her. And he rode in the saddle. He said, I got to have that saddle too. I said, I can't sell my saddle, you know? But he offered me like four times what I paid for it. So I said, it's yours, you know? <laughs> so I said, it's yours. You, thank you. And so sure enough, a few years later, he calls and he wants another horse. And I had Shamrock and he bought Shamrock as well. He bought that saddle too. Uh, so however, uh, about probably three months ago, he reaches out to me and he says, Zip, which was this horse, is sick and they had to put her down. And he's, he's mid, mid to late 70s. And he just said, you know, I need to, I need to start backing off the riding. And, and would you be interested in, in buying Shamrock? And so I just said, I sure would. I sure would. So we now have Shamrock back, you know, at our place. So it's just, it's just neat. You know, we gave up that passion. We sold him and everything related to that. But just the Lord's kindness and even allowing me to have my horse back. Oh, and all my tack, my saddles. It's all my, I mean, what I was using. And he gave me most of it back. You know, he just said, you know what? Just take it. Sham, he, uh, here he was like four uh, or maybe four. Uh, and now he's eight or nine, uh, nine, I think now. So, but amazing horse. You know, my boys are, are working with him now and learning so much. And, and uh, but anyway, I just wanted to share that story with you. You know, it doesn't have to be forever, but you know, you may have to take a break on a passion that man, it may seem hard at the moment, right? It's helpful even for me to look back and think about the level of commitment it took and, and really to just be able to point to the Lord and just His kindness, you know, on our family and sustaining my wife and I. Um, you know, even, even people at church, even my, my small group leader, I mean, there were times where he was like, you know, how, how much you been home lately? You know, like, I mean, he's caring about us, right? You know, are you, are you being that father that, you know, you know you should be, you know? And I had to say no to lots of things, you know, I just tell him, you know, I, 
I just can't be there right now. This isn't going to last forever, you know. Um, even even like small group events or church outings, I had to say no to all of them. You know, I just I, and that was difficult, uh, very difficult. Uh, but it did take that level of commitment. Um, thankfully, it worked out, right? <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.